beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside Dr. Joshua Black. And here we are uh, on a beautiful day to do another podcast, another episode with uh, a guest that I have. Uh, before we get into that, we just wanted to thank everyone for listening, for checking us out. It means a lot um, that you took the time to kind of check out our stuff and listen to the episodes. Uh, and you, you also honor the guests that we're on. So we really appreciate that. If you do get a chance to rate us, if you're listening on an iPhone or iTunes and you get a chance to rate us, please do. Uh, it actually does a lot to help promote the subject and help promote the podcast. So uh, please take the time out to do that. And uh, yeah, I just want to sort of say too, that our newsletter, our Grief Dreams newsletter is out finally. So that's out there. And we have Sean uh, Ram here. He uh, wrote a little piece about his first grief dream. And uh, we have another couple other things in there. So if you're interested in either signing up for that, uh, just go to the website, griefdreams.ca. So look at that. Uh, and you can find past newsletters in the newsletter archive. So yeah, thank you. Let's get this show started, Sean. All right. Uh, today's episode, we have Rebecca McDonald, and she is a self-taught memorial jewelry artist working and living in Ontario with her husband and dog. Uh, since immigrating to Canada 10 years ago, Rebecca has experienced loss many times as she moved throughout the country. Uh, her grandpa had been a huge inspiration in her life, and dealing with his passing from the other side of the Atlantic Ocean has been one of her biggest struggles so far. By fostering connections with animals, she, is all, uh, she has also been able to connect with others. Through her work, she is learning how to manage her grief while helping others with their loss through her jewelry making. She looks forward to someday being able to live near the ocean in PEI and continues and continue to help others around the world. Rebecca's work can be found on Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook at Pet Memorial Jewelry or on uh, www.craftlovecraftlife.com. Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on. And shout out to the East Coast, PEI, beautiful place uh, to want to live. Where, why did you Why did you decide on wanting to go there? Um, well, actually, when I immigrated from Northern Ireland, that's where we landed in uh, PEI. So my, my parents and my siblings still live there. And it's just such a beautiful place. I want to end up back there. It's very relaxing. And yeah. Do you like uh, Anna Green Gables? We had a guest on recently who who was <laughs> all about PEI because of Anna Green Gables. I, I actually listened to that episode and I was like, yeah, PEI. Um, but no, I've never <laughs> read the books or <laughs> watched the musical or anything. Uh, but my mom is a huge fan. <laughs> I, ha I haven't been to PEI myself. I haven't had the pleasure of doing that. But is it similar to Ireland in terms of environment and the way it, it looks? Is, yeah, it is. Absolutely. That's, um, I think, one of the main reasons that uh, we immigrated. I, I never moved house in my entire life until my parents were like, hey, we're going to move to Canada. Um, but it's very green and open and uh, the countryside. I grew up in the countryside and PEI is is very, very similar to that. So uh, in, term, in terms of the environment, it was a very easy transition, but everything else, not so easy. Absolutely. And if uh, any and if people are listening and they don't know this, but like um, uh, early immigration to Canada, there was a lot of Irish and, mm -hmm. um, you know, the East Coast, uh, there's a lot of destinations where the Irish went there. So we have our, our own little rich history of uh, immigration. Well, Canada yeah. itself, <laughs> it's a country built on immigration. Mm -hmm. 
And so yeah, I'm curious. Everybody you meet has connections there. So I'm curious, what made your parents want to leave Ireland to come to Canada? Um, I think it was more so uh, better opportunities or more opportunities uh, for us kids. Um, whenever we moved, I was 15 and not so keen on the idea. And I think back at the time and I feel sorry for my parents having to deal with me at that stage in my life. But yeah, I wasn't so fond on the idea. But now that I'm here and I've been living here for 10 years, I realized that it was one of the best decisions that they could have done, especially for me and what I've experienced. Um, but yeah, it was mostly just better opportunities for us. And it must have been really difficult, you think, um, coming at an age like that. Like, I feel like it'd be easier maybe if you were younger, maybe like, you know, seven, eight and kind of changing or, and doing that. But I think like at 15, you know, you have a world around you of friends and, you know, <laughs> social activities and you're just kind of, yeah. you know, developing that identity. And then you're kind of, oh, I, we got to go. Yeah, so that's exactly what I experienced. So 15, I thought, like, you know, the relationships I had with people and what I was doing, like, that was my life. Like, nothing else was going to happen. Like, what I was experiencing in that moment, like, that's as best my life was ever going to get. Um, so I was very reluctant to actually come that I didn't pack my suitcase until about three to five hours before we had to leave for the plane. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think they appreciated that too much. But yeah, the experience was a definitely, I, I compare it a lot when I think about it, is the, when I think about immigrating, I think that I compare it a lot to um, loss and grief, like you would experience when somebody passes away. Mm. Um, whenever, so my dad actually moved eight weeks uh, prior to us um, to like get settled with work and find a place to live and stuff. So I don't necessarily remember the days uh, or even the day that I immigrated, but I remember when he, the day before he immigrated. And at home, whenever somebody dies, a wake isn't held in a funeral home, it's held in the, the house. And, you know, family, friends all gather at the house. And it was very much so the same whenever he was leaving. It was like he was at a living wake for himself. And when people were leaving the house that night, like they would go into the room like one by one and say their goodbyes. And I just remember like sitting being like, this is really strange. Like it was, it was just really bizarre to see for such a, an exciting time, I guess, for my family that it was, it was seen as such a loss. Like it was like a death like we were all dying because we were moving like we weren't yeah. dying people were gonna see us again but um i compare it a lot to the to the experience of a death yeah i i uh, i feel that it's um you know people don't or people i think we forget i think we forget that how uh how big of a thing moving uh not just and and again you know you're just not moving to a different country that's maybe nearby. You're moving across mm -hmm. the world yeah. and starting a life in a new place. And, you know, we're so blase maybe about it now, but, you know, I don't know, 150 years ago, 200 years ago, nobody did that. Like, people, yeah. I mean, you know, th 300 years ago, people just stayed there. They just stayed where they lived. They grew up, they died. And then that's, that's their home. And so this big undertaking, this big change, 
And then you talk about change and, and, you know, yeah, it, there, there's losses there, there's grief there. And, you know, you, you made this, uh, change that you have to now adapt to. And there's a lot of fears and anxieties around change itself. So, um, yeah. I, I can really, uh, understand that, you know, in my own life, I can just think of like, even I, I grieved, <laughs> I grieved when I left elementary school and I went to high school, I hated high yeah. school, but. Yeah. eventually started liking it i grieved when i left high school and then went to university i loved high school and then i had to go to university but like i eventually adapted so uh it seems like you've you kind of come to terms with that and, and you know you've progressed through that period mm -hmm. yeah grief isn't just over the loss of a loved one it's the loss of like not just death like loss like you were saying like moving like changing scooters and stuff like that that's all like grieving the loss of of that as well so how long was it when you moved that you finally got your footing down um it probably took me so i had about a year and a half left of high school and then i decided to move on my terms to new brunswick to go to university and i guess it was um a few months after i started university that i was experiencing those feelings of that move and all the, the feelings surrounding the immigration and the anxiety that I started to realize like I'm better off here like this is this is what I'm supposed to do and I acknowledged that I was getting those feelings again and um, I went to counseling and that really really helped me kind of figure out like what I was doing and why I was getting these feelings and I guess after that I, I started to feel more comfortable and uh, kind of work on who I was. Well, that's kudos to you for seeking out, um, you know, some advice or help on that, because, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who who don't, they just kind of, uh, you know, sit in their own suffering and uh, kind of struggle through that. And, uh, you know, that that's, that's a courageous thing for you to do and, and try to seek out and, and make your life better. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know what to do. So I was gonna do everything in my power to, to figure out why I was feeling the way I was. Mm. And so when did, because your whole business revolves around pets. And so when yeah. was the first time you had a pet? Was it back in Ireland or was it something you uh, um, started to get when you were in Canada? Um, yeah, so we had um, pets like growing up. We had a, a dog, we had a couple of cats, a goldfish. And then five years before we moved, we actually got uh, a boxer, uh, a dog. And <laughs> he... He was the reason that I come to Canada <laughs> because I convinced my parents, I feel so bad for them putting up with me, but I, I said to them, I was like, I'm not moving to Canada. I'm not going unless a dog comes as well. <laughs> so <laughs> after some arguments, the dog came with us and he was a, a huge benefit to me and, and figuring out, like he was a comfort for me during that transition. I spent a lot of uh, days, months after we immigrated, like talking to him about my feelings because he wouldn't talk back and, you know, tell me that I, like he wouldn't have any opinions. He would just listen. So I, I gained a really big connection with Max, that dog, um, through the immigration. And I, whenever I traveled away for university, I missed him. And I just, you know, missed talking to him, missed seeing him. So when I was home for Christmas, I actually took some of his hair and 
I decided to like experiment with making a piece of jewelry just so I could feel uh, closer to him. So I made that first piece and I just thought it was so great because like he was right there. He was coming to class with me. Like mm. he was, he was just always there with me and it was very comforting. And then uh, a few months after I had made the piece, he passed away. And I didn't realize how comforting this piece of jewelry was until he had passed away. It uh, it became like the most a treasured piece that I that I had. It wasn't until after he passed away that I started telling more people about this piece that I had made, and then they're like, "Wow, that's a really cool idea!" Like I wish I knew about that whenever my dog or my cat had passed away. So. I had uh, a year and a half left of my program and I finished it. And then I decided to take a year off to explore jewelry making, working in the grief field. And I didn't ever go back. That's what I've been doing since uh, I left school. So kind of how I got started. That's incredible. And for people who don't really know uh, the boxer breed, uh, <laughs> I love them. They're such a, I find them very unique. Um, yes. Seems like, you know, they're they're always they're very energetic, jovial. You know, they they're called the Jokers. You know, the dog yeah. world, uh, very playful, and just every time I meet one, it just my eyes let light up. Every time I meet any dog, but especially, <laughs> you know, uh, like and and they have the um, they have the best traits that bulldogs kind of um, present, which is like uh, social, incredibly loyal, just kind of. Yeah. Um, sitting with the family very close to you uh and and <laughs> i was gonna <laughs> i told myself i wonder how many times i'm gonna mention my dog but um you know my <laughs> my dog doug does share he's like cousins he's he's a old english bulldog so you know they're all kind of related in that way uh -huh. um so yeah I, um i can i can picture max almost this just being like a jovial happy dog but um yeah that's very interesting. And, you know, a lot of pet owners feel that and, and understand that concept and maybe not so much people who haven't had that experience. But the, why, why was that important? Why do you think that's important for people to kind of go through that or, or maybe have a, a piece of jewelry or have something to remember their pet or their lost uh, loved animal? So for me, it was very much so. I needed to have that connection. I needed to be able to feel him right there. So the fact that it's a tangible piece, like it sits right over your heart. And I find myself, I just, sometimes I just sit and hold, uh, hold the necklace as I wear it. And it just, you can just feel the energy coming off it. And another thing with my jewelry, I actually, um, the hair and the ashes are very visible in the piece. So they're not like the traditional urn uh, pieces where, you know, you put the remains inside and then you close it up. I wanted my pieces to have the, uh, the remains very visible and showing off to the world. And they're still very much so part of this world. Um, so it was important for me to, to have that tangible connection but also be able to see him. So the fact that I can look down and I can see the strands of hair, like I can just imagine petting him again and, you know, finding his hair everywhere. Just being able to see him was a very important aspect of my jewelry. That's awesome. What, what, are, what are some things that you recall or maybe some 
quirks or or things because for instance like um you know your dog if, if if you have a dog you know your your animals are definitely around you all the time <laughs> and um you know you I, for instance like for me as a dog owner like i i can hear my my ears are attuned to kind of where he is you know yeah. i can hear his footsteps you know i can i can hear him breathing sometimes <laughs> this guy won't leave me alone i can hear him breathing <laughs> uh you know i see his fur uh all these little reminders uh in your yeah. daily life it's like they accumulate and that that becomes the essence of this creature that you live with but yeah, what do you do? You recall anything with Max? Um, it would be mostly the the sound of his nails clipping on the floor as he walked. Like he had this little trot, so it wasn't just like just a regular walk. I'm like sitting here like acting out the walk, but I realize that nobody can see me pretending to walk. <laughs> but he had this like trot, so you would hear him like gallop down the floor, I guess, and you would hear his little nails uh, coming. But yeah, it's. it's that's what I remember the most about his nails. <laughs> that's, that's that's cute. And I didn't know they were called the Joker breed. Is it? Why is that? Does he like play games or like hide stuff on you? Like like is uh, that? He was just, like boxers in general are very clumsy. I find because my parents actually have a boxer now that was uh, Max's pup. Um, so we have a, a an extension of Max in the household still. And they're just very clumsy, clumsy dogs, but just, you just have to love them. They're just not the smartest, but they're just so lovable. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's so cool. I didn't know. I didn't know what Joker meant. I thought it was like a funny kind of thing, but you're right. Like, it's just like entertaining to almost see them like yeah. run into things or bump into things. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm actually really curious when it comes to, I think it's a very interesting idea about putting the fur into a piece a memorial piece to help people feel connected because you're right there is something beautiful about seeing their fur because mm-hmm. i think it's you know and i'm really curious actually there's a couple questions but the first one what is it about the fur that people want that's maybe different from maybe if you lose a spouse where that's not typically the the, the thing they want to do so i find with uh the pet it's a lot more natural to have that physical touch with the hair so you 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 know you're constantly like petting your your animal so you're you're touching their hair but you wouldn't necessarily walk up to your spouse and start petting their hair um some people might but i don't think it's as common um compared to animals so i think that that's why the pet memorial is uh is more common than working with the uh the human uh remains yeah, I can definitely see that because part of their essence and it's part of something that you you could notice uh, and you said you touch it a lot. So it's something that yeah. really represents your bond with with the animal yeah. or it's a human. You're more, I think, which is interesting, you're more talking with humans, you're more playing with them, you know, maybe yeah. clothes or a scent would be, you know, very more memorable to the bond itself. But I think you're right. I think it's kind of, it's amazing how you do have that. And it's interesting too, how some people after human loss are doing that also, which it does say something about what hair does mean to after other losses to people, which is something I never really thought of to tell you the truth. Because when I, when I first sort of uh, talked to you about that, I was like, oh yeah, animals, that makes sense. But I never really put it towards, you know, would that work with 
human loss. And you're saying it does for some people. And I think that's a really interesting story in itself on yeah. what what people miss the most. And sometimes it is maybe the smell of their hair or, you know, maybe, you know, if Sean dies in one day, I might take a snip of his beard, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> I would appreciate that. <laughs> Hanging above my podcast, Mike. <laughs> Um, another thing is whenever you take your animal to the vet, the vet often clips uh, a piece of the hair. So you, you have that, that lock of hair already, even if you hadn't thought about um, saving a piece. But I don't think that that would be as common when um, a loved one passes away. I don't think they usually clip a lock of the hair and, and give it to you. But with the vet clinics, the majority of them actually um, take a hair clipping. Yeah, that that is that's uh that's a very interesting uh topic and conversation and um I it's interesting cuz like it maybe it's it's because you know hey, again your your animal kind of imposes themselves on you when they're alive like my jackets right now they're all covered with my dog's hair. I can't even if I wanted to get them off all like all of them off. Uh, maybe that's an aspect of it. Maybe it's um, that humans give us a lot more stuff to kind of work with. You know, that you're talking to a human, you got different, you know, uh, different Holly's pictures and all that and stuff like that. Your, your dog mm -hmm. can't quite communicate the same way. So maybe it's just a different way to kind of carry that with you. I'm not, I'm not really sure, but uh, there's definitely something there that makes it more comfortable. I think like yeah, if I saw if, you know, there, I think there, there might be even be a little more, a little stigma attached to kind of having uh human elements on you, like in a jewelry or something. But like, mm. I think like I'm assuming there'd be a little less with a pet, you know? Yeah. And it is a very different experience for me working with humans um, because it's only probably a, in about uh, the last year that I started working with human remains, um, just trying to build up my comfort level. But it's just, a, I don't even know how to explain it, but it is a very, very different experience. I find that the clients that I work with, um, with the humans, uh, they're a lot more open. They want to tell me stories and I'm not one to ask questions, but if somebody's going to talk to me, I'm going to be there to listen. And I think because I hear a lot more stories about the humans that I work with. I was, as you were saying that, I was thinking there must be something too, whereas in, in, in a traditional North American culture, it's kind of like maybe a little taboo uh, where, where people want, you know, the remains and everything to be left, you know, untouched. And, you know, you mm -hmm. put it in the grave, you put it in the casket and it's there. Whereas mm -hmm. there's other cultures who don't look at it that way, you know, other cultures, you know, we always uh, cite the Indonesian culture. It's a, it's a rare one. It's not a current one, but you know, the Indonesian culture where they literally mummify the body and they keep it in mm -hmm. the home for a few months just to kind of, you know, grieve that way. But maybe that's an aspect of it where people are starting to change that in, in, in today's society, in our society, where they don't see it as so much of a, uh, a taboo type of thing where you know it's okay to kind of you know hair or whatever however you want to memorialize your loved one mm -hmm. yeah and I think that nowadays people are just really wanting comfort and that might have an effect on uh, them getting the piece done no matter how strange it might seem to other people um, you will do anything to get that comfort that you need um, at that time and that's something that I hear from my clients all the time it's like thank you you have no idea how much comfort that this has 
this piece has given me, like being able to keep a little piece of them near me. Like, how does that make you feel? Because you started this because you felt it was comforting for you and you're like, oh, let's try this out. But what is it like now, like hearing these stories and and feeling that you're you're actually providing a sense of sort of help on someone's grief journey? Um, it's it's really amazing to know that I'm helping other people out there. It's it's very it's very hard to hear the stories and work with the people, but whenever the piece is done, it it is so rewarding to hear the feedback that they have and know that I'm helping them in a little way, just because I know how much it helped me whenever I needed it. So knowing that those feelings, I can give that to somebody else is just amazing. I have a question for you, Joshua, and I know I don't usually ask you questions, but how does this uh, connect with the continuing bond theory? It's exactly what it is. And with continuing bonds research, it does sort of showcase that there is a benefit to acknowledging that the person or animal has died, but also maintain a bond or a relationship with it as you move forward, just in a different way. And so when I hear about this, when it comes to the hair, you're acknowledging the loss, right? You're putting it on mm-hmm. and you're not saying they, you're saying they died, but you're also showcasing it to the world, which is a very beautiful thing because mm-hmm. when it comes to pet loss, it's very disenfranchised. So it is a, a talking piece. If someone does mention the drill, you could say, oh, it's my pet, right? It's, it's a former mm-hmm. conversation starter. But then also it's a, a way to remember. It's a way to sort of feel connected and feel that bond continuing because, you know, not everyone gets dreams of their pets. Right. And so this is just another way of continuing that story and that bond, which I think is beautiful. And I think, you know, that's why I really love what you do and what's really interesting is i'm thinking back of like you know um on my own life and i remember when i was cleaning out something i forget it was was a while back i found an envelope and in the envelope was hair and i went to my mom said what's this and then she's like oh that was your your first haircut i saved some of the hair i was like gross mom (laughs) but like i could (laughs) but i could see how even like if a child died and to have that hair That'd be very monumental for a parent if it was like yeah. the first haircut kind of thing. Yeah, and actually the the humans that I've worked with, the majority of them have been children, which I think mm. is uh, another reason why it's so difficult um, mm. to do, um, just because it is a child. But yeah, like you said, you, they had, you have your first uh, lock of hair, that first haircut, and um, yeah, it's... It's a very important little milestone to have and treasure and remember. That actually reminds me. My mom's got some baby teeth. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta, gotta ask her about those. <laughs> hey, mom. Uh, yeah, she. Oh, she's sweet, sweet lady. She always kept them in her jewelry box and was always oh, like, you mm-hmm. know, all this gold and stuff like that, and a little pocket of like baby teeth. I do work That's... with teeth as well. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, so I, you... I haven't worked with human teeth, but I've worked with uh, uh, puppy teeth. Oh, so like, how does that work? Does it, do you encapsulate it into that kind of mold, or is it on its own? Um, no, it's, it's in the, the same process. I've actually, uh, the teeth that I'm thinking of was uh, preserved, the tooth was preserved with a, a lock of hair. That's so cool. That's actually really cool. I didn't know that. You're full of mystery on what you're I know. <laughs> on the product yeah. you make. I yeah. worked with I worked with uh, whiskers, um, actually oh, cool. material from a dog's collar, another like a, a fabric swatch from a blanket. Basically anything that you can imagine that you want to encapsulate, like I can 
I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's sweet. And that's actually, it's, it gives a lot of creativity for the, the bereaved on what they're, what they want in there. Mm-hmm. Then you also do these pieces where it's not uh, hair or any kind of thing. And it's just like a, a, a metal ornament of sorts. How did uh, that? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I do metal stamped work as well. So it's um, personalized um, metal charms, like it can be bracelet, necklace, and it's just for the people that maybe don't want to preserve hair or ashes or don't have any of that to preserve. Just another option for them. That's beautiful. I think it's, you say once again, it's just amazing what you do. And people check out our product line um, if that if this is interesting uh, to you to you because it's very it's new it was new for me and i've been in the part of the grief field for a while now and it was the first time i've seen anything like it so uh kudos to you and i you know i would say wish you all the best for this to continue to grow and be something that you can continue to help the world with is yeah, mourning thanks. and remembering their loved ones i'm curious have you ever had a dream of uh, your dog I have never had a dream of my dog no the the only dream that i have was of my grandfather Okay, and so when when did your grandfather die? Uh, he died about four and a half years ago from Alzheimer's. Hmm. So that's another thing that I reflect on a lot is for my, me and my family are very big on making memories and preserving those memories, but then for him to be, I guess, cheated of his life and his memories being taken away from him was a, a very hard thing for our family because memories is such a big part of what we we strive for yeah i've never experienced that like been in front of a loved one that had alzheimer's so was he in canada or was he in ireland when this was going on um so he lived in northern ireland and um he was he was on them he was showing signs whenever my parents were like thinking about moving and then whenever they had made the decision to move it was just a few months before we had actually moved that he was uh, diagnosed so he at that time when we had moved he was experiencing good days and bad days but he actually the night that my the night before my dad left I remember him telling me like I talked to Granda and I was telling him like you know we're moving can't believe we're doing this like I don't want to leave you especially in this state and um my Granda said to my dad like don't wait around for me to die. Like, go and live your life. And I think about that a lot because, like, that's hard to to leave somebody, especially when they're entering in such a a difficult state of mind. Yeah. And so, what was your bond with him like? Because I'm guessing this was another event that provided a sense of sort of opportunity to grieve and also bring up where you're not, which is Ireland. So. Was there any kind of new emotions that came up when it came to the loss, which which is different from when your your pet died and not being able to go to Ireland? So whenever my granda had passed away, that was extremely difficult because like I I was living in New Brunswick at the time and I traveled back to PEI to be with my mom and my sister and my dad and my brother had actually traveled back for the funeral. So it was, I had experienced one family death before immigrating and experiencing my grandas from so far away, 
it was just really surreal. Like it did not feel real at all. I was very much so like, this is not happening. I'm not here. Like they're experiencing everything around the death, like going to the wake, going to the funeral, being surrounded by family and hearing the stories. Like because you weren't part of that, it didn't feel real. So yeah, it was very, very difficult to just kind of understand that that was happening and how you were supposed to cope with it happening but not being there for it so the time that they had allotted I guess for the the funeral to happen um, my parents lived close to a beach so me and my mom and my sister walked down to the beach and we spent that whole time that his funeral was going on just walking up and down the beach like talking um, sharing our memories of him and collecting rocks and then we went back up to the house and we like wrote down words on the rocks that we uh, words on the rocks that reminded us of him. So that was our way of, I guess, being part of the grief surrounding his death. Um, we were just trying to do anything we could to 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 feel like it was even real. Yeah, I I can't imagine what that would be like because I think that's the whole reason for the funeral even to see the body, to acknowledge the yeah. loss, like for the mind to sort of see it and say, look, it's real. It's not fake. And when you don't get a chance to see that, or you don't get a chance to go to the, the funeral memorial, it, you're really just left with your own imagination to say this happened, yeah. but the visual's not there. And so it's nice how yeah. you, your mom and you guys found a way to almost make it real where you were. Yeah. I'm curious, yeah. what kind of words were on this rock? On the rocks that you I actually picking. have the uh it's like a little vase uh filled with the rocks sitting on my desk here and uh it's filled with sand from the beach that he used to go to as a, a child um but it's just like happy family love strength uh fighter it was something that that he definitely was like he was a fighter and I think that that also was hard as well because uh, leading the month leading up to his death, there was a lot of times where my parents would get the phone call and be like, the nurses say he's not going to make it through the night, but somehow he managed to fight through and get through to the next day. And getting that phone call the night that he did pass, it didn't feel real because I just was like, he's pulled through so many times. Like, why not this time? Like, is this actually real? Like, why this time? Yeah, that's the question, you know, that your mind says like, oh, like maybe it's just like miscommunication or maybe he's still alive. But it was, yeah. when you're, did it become more real when your dad came back and your brother came back and said like what the funeral, what happened? Um, I actually was, it could have been like up to six months before I had actually seen um, them after uh, the, after they came back from the funeral, just because I had to go back to university and stuff. But even talking to them, it still didn't feel real. The moment that it felt real was, um, I think about two, maybe three years later, I was visiting back in Northern Ireland and I went into uh, his house where his uh, wife still lives. And that was heartbreaking. Just seeing like everything that I remember, like the picture still on the wall, his coat hanging on like over the banister on the stairs. And this was years later, but just I remember that fear of walking up the stairs to go to the, the bedroom to sleep that night and 
walking past where he used to sleep, like where the wake would have taken place. And just, it took me days before I could even bring myself to just walk into that room. And it wasn't, it wasn't until I had walked back into his house that I was like, he's actually gone. Mm. Oh, wow. That's amazing. You're able to go back to Ireland and and experience this and almost solidify the fact that he was gone and, and feel some of those emotions that you weren't able to feel at the time. Yeah, it was like grieving his loss all over again, like he had died all over again. And I actually, one of the rocks that I had uh, wrote on during the time of his funeral, I brought back with me and left on his grave. And it, it said, never give up. And it was it was very much so the saying that we always uh, associated with him because no matter how hard his life got, like he never gave up on anything. He always pushed through. And um, yeah, it's a very special phrase to me that, so now he has a little rock with him. Uh, yeah, and I, I think that really speaks to the uh, importance of, you know, funeral rituals and um, as well, not just even, af- not just when the individual dies and after, but even before the dying process, you know, you didn't really get a chance to kind of take part in some of those, uh, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um and then I also thought, like I was also, as you were talking about, you know, the wake, I was thinking about how interesting and unique an Irish wake is. And mm-hmm. I, uh, I, I really find unique and I think uh, beneficial and uh, I, um, I describe it, but I find it very interesting how there are different elements in the Irish wake that aren't necessarily in traditional funerals um and off the top of my head i'm just thinking about you know not afraid to tell stories or tell jokes um yeah yeah, yeah. Can, can you speak on that a little bit um uh, yeah so wakes at home like whenever i lived at home i was 15 and i'd only been to maybe two um before i had moved but from what i remember it was very much so celebrating their life like it, it's okay to to have a drink and to to uh, to tell jokes about them, funny stories. Like very much so celebrating the life. Um, and I guess that's just the way that we uh, the way that we grieve. We we try to find the the good. The I guess just like remembering. Um, I don't know. It's a really special experience to to celebrate the life in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when when I was uh when I was sitting with my grandmother and she was passing and I was with our cousins and there was there was uh you know, we obviously got to telling stories and laughing a little and it's it's interesting what humor does because it, it almost like just breaks up that uh that, you know, dark cloud that everybody's hovering under, you know, which 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 is reasonable, yeah. you know. It's it's a very tough and sad and traumatic time, but the humor kind of cuts through that and gives you a little bit of reprieve and, and uh, a little bit of a break. And uh, yeah. it was really appreciated during, uh, you know, the tough times that I, I went through. And I can imagine that like, uh, th- that's something that's kind of uh, really useful in, in a wake. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty curious. I'm curious uh, now, have you ever had a dream of your, your grandpa? Uh, yeah. I recently, just a few months ago, had my first, dream and me and my granda actually share a birthday um so it was just four days before my 25th birthday that 
he came to visit me in my dream. So I just got married a few months prior to the dream and I had recently received the wedding photos. And in the days leading up to the dream, I was thinking about which ones to send to Grandest wife, Betty, who also was not at the wedding. So in the dream, uh, Granda was alive and he looked the same as I remember him before he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Um, like whenever he had the Alzheimer's, his looks really changed and we received photos of him and it, it just didn't seem like it did, it, he wasn't the man that I remember him. So it was really nice when he came to my dream that he still looked the same way that I remembered him. I, I'm not sure exactly where we met in the dream just because we'd never, he'd never came to Canada. So the dream, it took place and I guess it was just like a room in somebody's home. Um, and I was just sitting there by myself and he walked into the room and he was just so casual and he was like, I'm just here to look at your wedding album. Uh, so I went and grabbed it and brought it over to him and he pulled out a pen and a piece of paper and started writing down which pictures he wanted copies of. So he told me that even though he wasn't at our wedding, it was still important to save the memories from that day. Um, and actually on our wedding day, Betty had wrote a brief letter from the two of them that was uh, to be read during the speeches. And that letter was really unexpected and caught me completely off guard and filled me with a lot of different emotions that day. So in the dream, uh, Grandel was looking at the album and he came across a photo of me crying during the speeches and he asked me why I was crying. Uh, I told him about this letter that Betty had wrote and he joked around and he was like, oh, why would you go and do something like that, make you cry on your wedding day? And I told him that the letter meant so much to me that it didn't matter how I looked. And then the next thing I remember, like, I just was telling him, like, I'll, I'll get these copies of these pictures printed and I'll bring them whenever I come to visit you in June. And in my dream, that didn't seem like a strange thing for me to say, but it wasn't until I had actually woke up and realized that I was referring to uh, the trip that me and my husband have planned of going to Northern Ireland in June and actually visiting his grave. So back in the dream, so I told him that I was going to get these pictures printed. And then he, he smiled and he looked right in my eyes and he said, remember, even in sadness, there's beauty. And then I woke up and that's the last thing that I remember happening. And I was just so overwhelmed and just so happy because I had never experienced anything like it in my life. Like I just could not believe that he was there and I was able to see him and talk to him. It was just amazing. Wow, it's so powerful. That's so, wow. Just like hearing that and feeling it too. Like it wasn't like a short dream. It had a lot of substance to it. And I'm so happy you yeah. got your first dream and what a beauty that was. Wow. I know because I had met you a few months ago or a few months before the dream and I was saying, I'm just, I just wish that I had this dream and you just kept telling me like, just keep believing it will come whenever it needs to come. And then I woke up that morning and I was like, I'm so happy that this finally happened to me. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, you, uh, you messaged me right away and I was like, oh, yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> wow uh, it's just the, his the quote right like it's amazing he gave you yeah. like guidance and like what kind of pictures he thought was cool but the quote like that really like pierced my heart um it really pierced my heart in the sense that i can reflect it reflect on it in my own loss and just the topic of grief itself and like what yeah. 
what it could represent for for people like in general like that's why i love when when the deceased say words because it's always really short to the point but it has, it's so impactful like these dreams would make the best memes quotes you know like <laughs> well, in, 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 in true irish poetry fashion right like there's so yeah. many famous irish writers like that's just golden that whole scene is like from a movie or something like <laughs> You know, yeah, just I, I just could not believe that it, it happened. It it was such an amazing experience, and I I would love for him to come again and visit, or for me to get a dream from somebody else because it was truly it, it changed how I I seen things. Like during that time, I was experiencing a lot of uh, grief and other emotions that I didn't know how to to comprehend. But I know that that he came and visited me in the exact time that I needed to hear his voice. Like he, he was like reckoning some comfort right now. I'm just going to pop into the stream and uh, tell her that it's going to be okay. And just remember that there's still beauty, even though things are really tough right now. And it just provided me with a different outlook and perspective on things. And yeah, a life changing dream. Yeah. It just, you're right. It goes beyond like grief after a loss, but it, it goes and talks about life itself because there's so mm -hmm. much sadness in in this world and yeah. but if you can look at it from a different perspective there's a lot of beauty in that sadness yeah. like i'm just you know i'm just really reflecting on one of the the things i've i've come to feel or acknowledge was when i finished when i finished my thesis and you know did that whole defense thing I never really felt my father, the, the the grief of my father not being there. Even though like I knew I should, I just it wasn't there. Then I think just it was like a just a mechanism to allow me to actually do the presentation and defend it and do really well. And then a lot of things happened in my life I never really got a chance to sit with. And only recently have I come to the point where I'm feeling that now. I'm feeling that he wasn't there. Like he was, that was a person I wanted to be there to like shake my hand to say, you did a good job. Like you, I'm proud of you kind of thing. And like, he just wasn't there, but mm -hmm. like, and to not be afraid of that sadness and to be able to feel that. But there's, even though I am very sad right now in this moment that he wasn't there, there is a lot of beauty on what his death has provided me in the sense of, understanding about life and loss and what love is and also what the research is doing to help other people and even as yourself to bring up the conversation and share these dreams and like have this podcast it's such an amazing thing and even though i'm so sad there's a lot of beauty in what's come about from this sadness and so for me like when i heard that quote that's what really spoke to me and i know it's different from what it spoke to you but that's the beauty mm -hmm. of hearing these dreams is that it can spark something in your own loss in your own life yeah absolutely and actually whenever my aunt his daughter had actually read the letter during the speeches and like i said i was just crying i just i just needed to hear that very short letter and i give her a hug after the letter and just before like as i was walking up to give her a hug i just said to myself like oh, i just wish that he was here like he would have just loved this day like he would have just loved it and whenever i give her a hug it was like i've had a couple of life-changing experiences 
this dream and this hug was one of the like two of the most life changing. He, I give her, I give her this hug. I feel like crying. I give her this hug, and I, I didn't feel like I was hugging her. I felt him giving me that hug, and I just did not want to let go. I hugged her for so long and so tightly. I, I just felt like he had somehow came into her body and had his arms wrapped around me, and it was just. It was just amazing. That's incredible. And it really speaks to you know the connection we have with Fanny, the familial bonds and and your 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 dream and you know, you sharing that and the impact you had on it. I mean, that's just the perfect example of why, you know, the subject is so important, mm-hmm. why, you know, the, the podcast is important, why um talking to people about their grief dreams is incredible because it can have the ability to change your current life, your waking life. And who would have thought that those other dreams don't necessarily do that, you know, but these ones, man, it's just like, they just have that potential to literally like start reprogramming your brain and your memories. And that's just like, it's mind boggling, you know, in a way, because you never, I mean, most people don't think that they won't think that like, well, having this dream or having, you know, someone come back and and something like that, or getting those feelings can impact you in this way. But here we are. Wow. So I'm loving this. I wish we had like more time to chat, but our time is running up. But I want to actually ask you one last question before we, we head off. And it's a question I always love to ask our guests. And that is, if you could have a dream tonight of someone who has passed, uh, what would that dream look like to you? I definitely would love to have another visit from my granda. I would love to be able to walk him down to the beach by my parents' house and just show him this beautiful place that we live in now and this life that uh, we have created that he never got to experience and just come back up to the house and have a barbecue and sit and talk just like we used to when I was ever whenever I was a kid like I just I'd love to just go for a walk have a barbecue sit and enjoy the sun I don't even know what I would want said but just for him just to be there just surrounded uh, by him again and just have him see like where we live now just it would that would be really nice uh, that's incredible. Um, did uh, did he call you something special, or was it he called you Rebecca? Yeah, he just called me Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what uh, what would you guys be wearing? I don't know. He like probably what we usually wear. Like he used to always wear like a like a shirt, but like a a jumper or sweater over top of it, and that's the only thing I ever really remember him wearing. So yeah, just just what we usually what we usually wear. Beautiful. And did you want Max to show up at all or no? Oh my goodness. Oh that would be so amazing if Max just came <laughs> running across the yard and like, I'm here <laughs> Run into both of you, knock you over like pins. Yeah. yeah. It would just it'd just be really nice like to 
like we used to have like birthday party barbecues and stuff as kids and it would be really nice to to have all those family members that have passed and animals that have passed just to all show up for just one more big barbecue and that would just be really nice did you ever uh feed your dog barbecue stuff or did you fit it like kibbles and bits Oh, he would definitely get some scraps. Oh, there you go. Nice. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I can just see a sad little scrunchy face and uh, <laughs> trotting around. Um, oh, it's a fabulous uh, vision, fabulous dream that you've uh, laid out, and we really hope you get that. And uh, hopefully Josh can inspire you again to get another grief dream. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent, Rebecca. This has been a fantastic chat. And could you please um, give out your handles again so people can find you and your uh, wonderful jewelry? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook at Pet Memorial Jewelry. And um, you can also take a look at my website, www.craftlovecraftlife.com. Amazing, uh, amazing stuff. So uh, listeners, if you have a chance, please go check it out. And uh, I'm sure you'll be uh, enthused by all you find. And I want to say too, Rebecca, I, I, I want to sort of commend you on the love that you have, you still have for your grandpa and, uh, and Max. It really showed through in this episode. And that means the world to me to hear like what someone's life can do to someone else. And those two beings have really made an impact in who you are. And yeah, I just got to say thank you for sharing that with us today. No, thank you. It was my pleasure. And thank you for, for doing what you do. This, I really enjoyed listening to the podcast and being part of it. So thank you. Will it be weird now that you're going to be listening to yourself on the podcast? I don't think I'm going to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> I might just skip over that episode. <laughs> uh, well, again, you know, um, it takes a lot of courage to kind of come on to something and tell your story and, and to touch upon the intimate aspects of your life. So yeah, definitely courageous. Uh, so please check out our platform at griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic. Uh, we did add a donation button and there are perks to those who donate. Um, if you have Facebook, you can join the Grief Dreams group. You can share your dreams or hear more dreams of others. Uh, we're on Twitter and Instagram at Grief Dreams. And uh, the children's book called Dreaming of Owl, authored by Joshua, can be found on Amazon. And lastly, we like to end our podcast with love and gratitude from us to you. introduced myself you have introduced yourself this is a very good conversation